Our reading this morning can be found from uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26 to 45, and it starts on page 968 of the Church Bibles. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. And let's pray for Bill as he speaks to us today. Father God, we thank you. Bill. We thank you for the words that he has been preparing this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide him and speak through him this morning. Lord, that his words may change us. Lord, that they may be your words to each of our hearts this morning. Amen. Thanks. Morning. The other day, um, someone told me that uh, she viewed her husband as a god, not a Christian woman, you might understand. And uh, that's, that's, that's too much. <laughs> But the response to saying that's too much is not for uh, all the women here to prove that they don't consider their husbands uh, gods by treating them like dirt. 
And yet, and yet, I have to say that is how many Protestants have reacted with regard to Mary in response uh, to where we've thought that the Catholic tradition has given Mary not the status for God, but too high maybe a prominence or profile or, or, or status among us. And some have ended up by sidelining her and treating her as though she's unimportant, that we mustn't speak of her in case somebody gets the wrong impression. That's not the right response either. That's kind of throwing the baby's mother out with the bathwater. It's not sort of helpful. Because the Bible, let's be honest, has many prominent male characters. Many more than prominent female ones. <laughs> and so let's please not lose the rich life lessons from the most significant woman in the story of God's dealings with humanity in a misjudged overreaction. So Mary... A woman, a girl, a young teenager, almost certainly. We, we don't know how old she was for certain. 14, maybe. Certainly, the kind of age we would think, you know, should be out with extreme rather than in with us. But uh, maybe, maybe in this particular time, we should be learning that uh, teenage girls can have a major impact. They can win Nobel Peace Prizes. Malala and her work for girls' education, or Greta sort of initiating a, a global protest movement around climate change. Both of them actually managing it without any official job title. So here is Mary, a young woman, a girl, a teenager. And she says the biggest yes in history. When she says yes to God's plan for her. And of course, God's plan for her encompassed his plan for us. That yes has ripples throughout, I was going to say throughout the centuries, throughout eternity. What does she say? I am the Lord's servant. 
May your words to me be fulfilled. That's kind of the the long version of yes. (laughs) And and, and actually the short version of the uh, Methodist covenant which we've just been uh, (laughs) saying. It's, It's saying, your Lord, I'm your servant. Yes. Yes to whatever. Yes to whatever. When Gabriel, the angel, first speaks to Mary, she is greatly troubled. We're told that. And, and if ever you do uh, meet an angel, apparently that is the, um, the, the done thing, is really to be scared. You know, all precedent has it, basically, that if you meet an angel, <laughs> the first thing is that they need to say, peace, calm down, don't be afraid. They're not as fluffy as we sometimes might want to uh, paint them. But she is deeply troubled. She is frightened. <laughs> the adrenaline is pumping around her body. And yet, she quickly comes to this point of saying, yes. She's the Lord's servant. What what else is she going to say? If you're the Lord's servant, when the Lord says something, what else are you going to say other than yes? Well, we don't always manage it, but (laughs) that's the idea. And that's what she did. And that's what she did, this huge yes to God and his plans. And, and, and how on earth would that work itself out? How, how would that play out in her life? Well, well, some of the consequences are either entirely predictable or, or, or fairly predictable. She was going to become pregnant. She was told that. I think it's fairly predictable that there would be an element of public shame for her. She was going to have to have a more than awkward conversation with Joseph, don't you think? It's recorded that she did. And she wasn't believed. Initially. More angels. And would be the subject of tittle-tattle. And gossip. If you read through the Gospels, you find there are moments where uh, basically... People say to Jesus, you know, our father's Abraham. (laughs) Who's your dad? (laughs) It's kind of what it's saying at points. She's subject (laughs) to these whispers, these pointed fingers. And actually, actually maybe, 
Maybe some of that was fairly predictable early on. But there are unpredictable things too. Things which when she said yes to God, she, she couldn't have thought that that's actually where it would lead. Did she think that when she said yes to being the mother of the Messiah, that actually that would end up with her being delivered of the baby while homeless? Probably, probably not. Did she think she was going to need to flee as a refugee from the murderous abuse of power? Not obvious from that first encounter. Interestingly, she, with Joseph and the baby Jesus, fled to North Africa. Nowadays, most of the fleeing is happening the other way. Did she think that when she said yes, that she would understand what God was doing? <laughs> that he had kind of let her in on every aspect of the plan so that she would understand it all? Well, the evidence is that he didn't and she didn't always understand. When she is searching Jerusalem frantically for her boy, and he says, didn't you get it, mum? She said, <laughs> don't know where else once was, but there we are. <laughs> but didn't you get it? Or, or, or later, later when Jesus is in ministry in Galilee, in, in her home region, and she ends up thinking, you know, he's lost it. He has actually lost the plot. Uh, I, I, I think he's gone mad. You know, wouldn't you have thought that maybe she'd had a better grasp on what was happening? But that's not always how it happens, is it? God calls us to something, and as soon as we're on that path, then we understand everything perfectly. That, that, that's not our experience, and it was not her experience. And did she know at that point, at the point of saying yes, that she would face immense grief, the grief which no parent wants to imagine of seeing their child die, in this case be killed, in front of her eyes. The fact is, when we say yes to God, sometimes we see something of what that will involve. But the truth is, we never see it all. We never see it all when we say yes. We, we step into a path of, of, of the unknown. We never see in full what a yes to God will actually entail. Mm -hmm. 
And here's, here's the truth. We can be in God's will. We can be faithful servants in the right place at the right time and find out that even then life is hard and even that we're not bounteously provided for. The New Testament says of the birth of Jesus Christ, at just the right time, God sent his, at just the right time. And when it comes to the place, Micah had prophesied about Bethlehem, that that would be the birthplace of the Messiah. So there is Mary with Joseph at just the right time, in just the right place. And there's not a B&B to be had, you know? You know, was that because of Mary and Joseph's unfaithfulness? No. It was actually because of their faithfulness. Bizarrely. Just the right place, just the right time. Walking in obedience. And life's tough. Life's tough. God did provide a place for the child to be born. But as provision goes, you might have hoped for better. And sorry if this is is not good news. The Christian message is good news. Massively, massively good news. But there's parts of it which are tough. There's parts of it which say it's not a walk in the park. Hmm. When Mary went to visit Elizabeth, uh, her her relative in another part of the country, Mary turns up and Elizabeth calls her blessed. And Mary, in her immense song of faith, which she says, basically says, you know, all generations will call me blessed. That's true and rightly so. But it doesn't always feel that way. (laughs) She was called a few things other than blessed, no doubt, (laughs) in uh, Nazareth. (laughs) With the tittle-tattle. Pregnancy outside of marriage, no small thing. Accusations of adultery could lead to a stoning. But Mary, or the Hebrew form of that name, Miriam, as I often like to call her, is an amazing model disciple. 
willing and faithful through it all. Not perfect, not perfect. We can find verses which show that she didn't always get it. But neither did Peter. (laughs) Many more verses about him not getting it. Neither did Paul. Neither did Noah or Abraham or Joseph. Neither did Moses or David or or Elijah. (laughs) She is a wonderful role model. Mary stayed with Jesus to the end, which is more than you could say for most of the others. She is a hero in my eyes. I think should be in all of our eyes. A great example, a wonderful, faithful servant of God. You might even want to name one of your children after her. Miriam, it's a nice name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God. Help us to trust you, come what may. Help us to say yes to you even when we do not know what that will involve or where it will lead. Help us to hold on to you, even when life is tough. And through our lives, the obedience which we offer, Lord, shine through and be glorified and achieve purposes beyond our imagining. In Jesus' name, amen.